is Tap In Time, a Chapman Stick podcast. Whether you've played the instrument for years or are just curious, if it's stick talk you're looking for, this is the place. So come along and stay a while. Hello out there and welcome once again to the Tap In Time podcast. This is episode number 28 and I am Victor. I'm Claire. And I'm Gene. We've been looking forward to this session for some time. Our guest this morning is one of the finest Chapman stickists in the West, Mr. David Tipton. While David has had the opportunity to work as an instructor at regional stick events in the past, he can generally be found playing out in festivals, cafes, special events in the Colorado area. He knows how to read the room, always seems to have the right tune, so let's get to it. Welcome, David. <laughs> Hello, glad to be hey, here. David, how you cool. doing? Good, good. Yeah, this is cool. So um, recently I had a, you know, first time ever I got to actually go to Colorado and be out there. And and uh, the first person who pinged me was David. He's like, dude, like I'm right, like right down the way. Why did you call me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you were bur- probably at a gig though too, right? I'm sure you were out there playing, right? Yeah, I I think I I think I was, but had I known, I like yeah, I mean, I probably could have uh, swung swung by Springs for lunch or something. Yeah, I can't have you taking my gig, David Tipton. I can't, I can't. You can't have you muscling in. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! You're you're kind of muscling into his territory. That's true. Here, That's Ooh. fair enough. It's come on. Yeah, it's no, tis the season. There are plenty of gigs for everyone. <laughs> so actually, you know, David, let's start with that. So you are a full time musician. And now I know you're not in Colorado Springs because you are a little bit further away from that. So where are you based? So Salida, Colorado. It's a small little mountain town in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. We, um, you know, its population is probably somewhere around 6,000 people or so. And it's it's a big recreation town. People come here to to raft and, and bike and hike and and it's just, it's a beautiful place. And there's lots of live music here. Uh, we get during, especially during the summer, we've got um, lots of tourists. So there's, yeah, and all all the restaurants, all the little bars and, and places like that tend to have live music because it draws people in. Sure. So you're the king of the hill. <laughs> the king of the hill. Nobody's muscling in on your, on your gigs out there. Well, it we have some incredible musicians here. We really, really do. And um, yeah, I mean, I feel lucky to be counted, you know, to be out playing with some of these people. They're they're top notch. I'm not I'm not quite sure where to start specifically, but I do want to talk about gigging out as a soloist. And so mm-hmm. I think that that and this is my own kind of and Vic and Claire, you can kind of you know chime in here and let me know if I'm going in the right direction, but. One of the, the the things that I've found to be most liberating about the Chapman stick is independence, right? Like no one gets like it's my show, right? Like I get to mess it up if I want to, um, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 my stick, and I'll cry if I want to. Um, but I, I just kind of wanted like you like you know maybe um, to start with, maybe one of the things I'd, I'd be so curious to hear your kind of perspective because I, I I do and it, this all emanates from like a Facebook post that I read years and years ago, and that is just 
when it's just you in a room with people who are depending on you for, you know, to be entertained and, and there's this, this is kind of newness to the instrument, how you put that all together and how you make that make sense. And we can talk about the gear and stuff like that. I always love all that kind of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the stuff that comes along with that, that helps to kind of build the sound. But you know, the, 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 the term that, that Emmett used, and he may have used it specifically for you, was a, a two-fisted Chapman stick player. And that is, it's just left hand in the bass side and right hand on the melody side. And I'm going to play chords and I'm going to play a melody and I'm gonna play these, these, like, really like what you do with the bass stuff. I was listening back to that Pink Floyd song. Anyways, my question is, talk us through about, you know, an evening with David Tiplett, like it's a Friday <laughs> night, right? And, um, like, yeah. uh, like walk us through an evening of work. Okay, sure, sure. So, so typically my, my Fridays, there's a local, uh, little winery here. They make, they make wine, they have a tasting room and that's like my, been my go-to Friday night gig. And so I, you know, life of a musician, pack up the car, unpack the car, pack the car, unpack the car, all that, but get there, set up and, um, you know, for me, like the thing thing about a like a gig like that is, so it's not really a performance. It's it's more I'm providing ambience. I I see see myself more as like a cocktail musician, a 21st century cocktail music is. And um, yes, I like that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah. And so, like you know, there there are people there. They're drinking wine. They're having little dishes, and they're they're mainly there to socialize, talk. And I'm kind of creating a mood and an ambiance. And so, for me, like playing a gig is about like finding this equilibrium where I'm like you know, to me, volume is very important. It's like you know, you want you want to be a voice in the room that people can tune into. They can hear it. But they can also choose to ignore it, should they wish. Um, they can have conversations. They can do do whatever they want. But you're there. So, like I said, volume is very important. Choice of tunes, you know, it's like when I show up, typically earlier, uh, there. it's kind of funny. Uh, in this town, there's a lot of, like, retirees and stuff like that. So, they're they're out to have like a glass of wine before they head out to dinner or something like that. So, you know, I can tend to read the room and start off <laughs> with, uh, you know, like some, you know, Sam Eagles, Cook. You got to hit Eagles tune, like yeah, everyone's right. like. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, is it is there a lot of peaceful, easy feeling? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just please say no. No, I I've, I never play that. <laughs> well, that that is not in my repertoire. So. <laughs> Everyone plays that song, and it really gets overplayed. Yeah. And uh, and anyway, never mind. I'm I'm digressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but yeah. So so basically, like I like I said, I I feel like. You know, and as the evening goes on, you get kind of younger crowds coming in after they've been out on the river or skiing or or whatever. Um, I, I failed to mention we do have like a ski area close by here, so during the winter months, that's that's the crowd I'm playing to. But for me, a gig is really about you know it's it's the thing that puts you in in your place. A gig is what shows you you know what you need to work on, 
where you are, what you know, as a musician um, and as a person, because um, whoa. <laughs> well, no, seriously. Wow. I mean, well, okay, so no, I don't understand what that means. You got to play there. I see that coming, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Can you expand like, on that, please? Yeah, I have sure. to call my dad. You know, I'm like a terrible person. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think like like for me, like when I first started playing out solo gigs, you know, I had played played in bands for years and years, and. When I started playing solo, I mean, I had stage fright. It was like, oh man, my hands would shake, and I, I was like super nervous because I, you know, it's like, and I realized like a lot of that was not necessarily associated with like I could play. I knew I could play. I had practiced, but it was like being comfortable in your own skin around other people, and and the gig. Um, puts you in this position where you are kind of a focus point. You're, you know, your people's attention is drawn to you. And yeah, some people in that room are going to be looking at you. Right. And yeah, okay. I can, yeah. yeah. Right. And so, Shaking. so for me, it was like this kind of realization, like, okay, like, you know, for, well, I, it's different for everyone. Um, you know, for me, I, it was like, I think I may need to go to therapy. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think, like, I mean, and and it really like things like that. Just um, like gigs showed me, like, like, oh, you know, it's it's given me a social life. It's given mm. me um, av- avenues to relate to people that I never had before. Um, you know, I was a very kind of introverted, shy person and, and playing out and just, you know, continuously answering people's questions like, what is that instrument you're playing? Like halfway through the song, right? It's like, you don't see me playing the bridge of landslide. And you <laughs> right. want to come over and ask me how this is tuned. And I'm like, I do have a story about that. Uh, when I first got to this town, Salida, um, I was playing, they have like a local event center and there's like a stage and it's a theater. And I was playing, I think it was for, um, the, there's a local poets group and, and they were doing poetry and I was playing music. And, and so they introduced me and I start playing this tune and I see this little old guy like get up from his chair and he just like slowly kind of just walking over. You saw him in step. the corner of your eye. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he comes up and he walks up on the stage and he comes like, and he stands like right in front of me. He's like, what is that instrument? I've never seen that before. And I was like, and of course I was like, Wow. <laughs> And I've gotten much better at like being able to like recover and play and and stuff like that. But I just had to stop and like and talk to him and, and yeah, people in the let's, audience. Let's were do a like, little intro on the instrument. Why don't you you want to sit with me? You want to sit like right, putting right. on a show? I guess we're putting on a show, right? Right. So he walked up on the stage. Yes. So yeah. you, so you're already scared. Well, you're already scared is the wrong word, but you're already nervous as all get out because oh, right. you're on this big stage and it's only you. There's no one else on the stage. And he walks up there. <laughs> but and, oh, wow. and that's yeah. And that's that's one of the things that I've I've kind of like learned to to deal with is um you know, people's curiosity about about the instrument is always going to trump 
whatever you feel is like, like, you know, as soon as you're going to play the song that you've practiced really hard, like is really challenging to you, you know, within 30 seconds, somebody's going to come up and like start talking to you. Um, That's a big challenge. And and, and yeah. I feel uh, uh, something that I use as a, a, a kind of a unit of measure is if somebody says, I like that song. If somebody come over and, and says, "Hey, I like that. I like that song that you played. You know, I, I like I played Murder by Numbers by the Police. You know, and I you know, ah. was like at a wedding reception, and somebody came over and was like, gutsy move. And I just was like, I didn't even like to put two and two together. You know, I was just like, it's the blues song. It's blues and E. And then I was like, oh, right. It's like, you could knock off every member of your family. You know, like the, the, the lyrics of these songs, like it was not the right song for the occasion. Speaking of reading the room, James, come on. <laughs> I should have been leaving the room. But, 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 but that moment when the person came over and was like, like they thought I was like, you know, trying to pull one over, but they enjoyed it. And so yes, they yes. recognized the song before they were like, is that sitar? Like, I didn't know harpsichords came in a compact version, you know, like <laughs> yes. it, was, it's, it was something simple and, uh, it, and uh, you know, I just missed it. I missed the cue anyways. That's funny. Yeah. I, I suppose like I wanted to get back to, um, the expecting the unexpected as a soloist. And so. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, part of that is reading the room and, and part of that is repertoire and part of that is preparedness. So I suppose maybe, um, and maybe Vic and Claire, you guys can talk about, you know, how, how you deal with this when, when it's just you, when you're playing on your own, you know, like what goes through your mind and how do you stay focused? Mm. Well, actually I don't, play on my own very often. I think I've only done it like five or six times. Uh, and, and most of those were huh, at Stick Camp Canada um, or maybe Interlochen, which I don't think really counts in this conversation. But I did have a question. Um, when you're playing a gig where, where you're the background ambiance, like you were describing a few minutes ago, um, that's a little bit different than busking, I would imagine, where you're sitting on a street corner or up against a building in the shade of a building and playing and stuff. Uh, do you ever busk? And, and is there a difference in what you expect from passersby or from the audience uh, in those situations? Maybe you don't busk, and so it's, you know, I'll cut the question, but... No, I do. I do occasionally busk. And um, to me, it's, it's, it's not all that different. It's just that in the turnover rate of the tables are, is increased the flow of people just passing by. And sometimes people like kind of hang out. And, you know, and I think for me, the thing is like, I'm all about songs. I mean, that's what got me into playing um, the instrument is like, I play a lot of the music I grew up with. I play, I play stuff that catches my ear and you find that that's what people relate to. And and so whether you're at a gig or you're busking or something like that, like if you play something people recognize, they they tend to, you know, they'll gravitate towards that.
have to ask because you said that. Like, do you play wrecking ball at these games? <laughs> so, so talk about Gene's uh, not I love this the story. Room. It's like <laughs> one of my favorite stories. <laughs> I love that video. So, yeah, that's amazing. I, I once uh, played play the wedding that they requested that to be played <laughs> as they walked down the aisle. <laughs> is that why you learned it? So I don't feel so no. alone now. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and they thought that they thought it was hysterical and I was just like questionable choice but, <laughs> but oh, wow. And it's funny like I I will see like like I'll I'll play like what's that uh uh, firework Katy Perry or something like that when you see little girls it's like they all know that song and you you, you play it and you know their parent gives them a, a dollar and they come over and throw it in the tip jar and smile at you and it's it's a fun little interaction so like with that Friday night gig you were talking about a few minutes ago are you playing to a set list at all or are you just you know this seems like the right song time yeah. after time after time so I've never used a set list. The, the times I've tried, I, um, it, it just, um, yeah, I just can't do it. I don't know. Um, I, I've, I feel like I'm trying to force something. And to me, it's like a gig is all about just flow. Just like, you know, getting into the state where you're, you know, playing. And, and tunes just kind of come to you. And sometimes you get people who really engage with you and start requesting stuff. And, you know, it's like, of course, you, you're not going to know uh, what they're requesting. Sometimes you right. do. Sometimes, sometimes you get lucky, but it, it'll trigger like, no, but it's like, you know, if you like this, then you'll oh, like yeah. this. There's an kinda. art to that. There's an art to the request rebound, what I like yeah. to say. It's like, hey, you know this one? It's like, <laughs> no, but I know this one. And they're like, oh, really? And like, you've just changed the expectation, right? Exactly. Like, you know, right. Their husband or wife is like, it's not, the, it's not our song. I mean, it's by the Beatles, but okay. <laughs> yeah, but that, I mean, that is the thing. Like when I, you know, I taught myself how to play this instrument by learning songs. It's so beautiful to hear. I can so relate to that, David. I, mm. I, I just want to hear that because I hear people like doing finger builders and run, doing scales and, you know, what about your harmonics, you know, how you practice and stuff like that. And, and, and the, the, the advice that I always have, not only for other people, but for myself is just play the song. Mm. Because mm -hmm. the song is where the emotion and the passion and all of that stuff resides. That's where it originates. And if you can tap into that, then someone then hears it is like, oh, I feel the same way as the person playing this instrument right now. I have that, that emotion, that sense is recalled and I'm taken back to seventh grade and being on the bus or whatever it yeah. is, you know, maybe it wasn't a good memory, <laughs> but maybe it was, maybe it was a good memory. It was like a first kiss or something like that, you know, yeah. or something beautiful. Yeah. No, I mean, and I, I think I've, I've mentioned this to you before, Gene, where I, I kind of view songs or they're like little magic spells and, and my stick is, is my magic wand. Yeah. And, and, and these spells are like, you know, like, like sometimes you see couples out and they're, you know, like they're sitting there and they're staring at their phones and you, you start playing the song and you see them look at each other and hold hands. And it's like, Beautiful. Oh, okay. that's, that's awesome. Choking yeah. me up, David Tippin. <laughs> 
So you're talking about this repertoire and being able to just pull them out of your head to get to the next tune. What what does your repertoire look like? Like how many tunes are you ready to go with? What do you look to 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 build your repertoire? What type of songs? Can you tell us a bit? Sure. So so one of my personal challenges was uh, a few years back I played a it was a six hour gig. It was Dude, um, wow. like a, <laughs> yeah, like a, that's a it, lot of tunes. I think it was like an Easter brunch or Mother's Day brunch or something like that. Where and they had different settings and stuff like that. So I actually played. I you know, out of that six hours and out, over a little over an hour of that was breaks um, that I that I would take. But like a good almost solid five hours of songs I played without repeating any songs. Wow! Wow! Um, so I've and at some point I started printing out a list and you know it's yeah it's it's uh, probably you got a list of the David Tipton jukebox <laughs> right right <laughs> it's it's a, it's close to a few hundred tunes at least wow. yeah yeah and and what I've I found like when I was playing the instrument like when I used to really struggle on guitar to learn learn songs but um, there's that that two-handed uh, to me, you know, like it, like two-fisted playing, like you said, where I'm playing like basically chord progression, bass line, whatever, in the left hand, more the melody part of the tune. <laughs> whatever that the left right. hand does, it just makes yeah. the, it, it makes it all the make, right. Like that left hand, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> right, right, and and I just found like it made it so much easier for me to memorize tunes that way. Some somehow it really clicked. And so, yeah, I do have a really large repertoire of tunes. I do tend to, like, when you go out and you're you're playing often, yeah, you know, you go through these phases where, like, you default to certain things. You know, you know, you can play them really well. You know, people like them and stuff like that. And then, then you do that for a while, and you think, oh God, I'm like, I need to play something else. And then I'll yeah. jump into other parts of my tune. And right now I'm in the process of like learning a bunch of new tunes. And I'm, I'm, I think it's time to like retire some tunes I've been playing for years and years. Yeah. Um, just what, to what's give one it. of the new ones, if you don't mind me asking? Or what ones are you excited about where you're like, oh, the, you hear it like on the radio and you're like, I'm going to learn that one. Uh, so I've been playing like um, some new Adele that. Um, Easy on me. I've been yeah. playing that one. I've been playing. Uh, it's a tune called "Broken" by, uh, you know, who is it? Fun. I, I can't even think of this. I don't know who these broken, bands are. Is it broken, not bent. Is that like we're no, just broken? No, not that. But thing. at one point, I did play that. That was pink. I'm, I'm not surprised, uh, David Tipton. <laughs> but um, this is. Um, I, I like that you're broken. Broken like me. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Da, ba, da, da, ba, da, right, right. Ba, da, da. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a good song. That's a fun and, song. And just, but and then there's also like I've been playing a lot more like old blues and um, like you know, gee, baby, ain't I good to you? And oh, and yeah. you know, like tunes like that. Um, and I I just love. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's a big thing. It's like you know you've got to love music to be a musician, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and there's to me there's so many great tunes out there that I would love to be able to play. That I'm always, you know, I'm always working on stuff. Yeah. So then, so then on on that note, um, and, and maybe there's more to kind of uncover about you know 
repertoire and things like that. But certainly, um, when you sit down to, to learn a song, so something that I noticed, um, so I think it was Let It Be. I was looking, I was watching one of your version of Let It Be, and the left hand is relentless. It's like walking bass lines and cording and going back and forth and going back and forth between playing the bass line and doing it justice um, as though Paul were playing it, but also playing chords and, and just this kind of Swiss army knife of, <laughs> of tone and, and just musical delivery. And so for me, like when you learn a new song, how do you, I mean, how do you approach it in the left hand? Because like, there's so many right. options in the left hand. So I guess, and I guess each song's different, but um, like maybe, you know, it, 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 is that even a thing? Maybe it just kind of happens instinctively. Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. It's, it's, um, it's something I don't, like, I remember learning that Let It Be song and, like, searching YouTube videos to kind of learn the intro um, to that because I, I liked the, yeah, I liked the, what was going on there. And then, of course, that affects the way you play the rest of it. But a lot of tunes, like, I will, um, like... Playing off lead sheets is like all I all I really do. I don't, um, and there there are times when I try to emulate, you know, certain parts of that tune on the bass side, if there's a really distinctive bass line or something like that. But I also take huge huge liberties with that yeah. because a lot of parts that are easy on a regular bass are really you're flying all over the place on the, on the stick because of the fifth tuning. It's hard to do. And so I try to find something that just kind of works. And because of the tuning and stuff like that, yeah, it's, it's easy to find these things. Um, to me, it's funny. I've, I've been recently trying to do more practicing. And what I've been finding is like, when I, when I think of practice, I think of practicing stuff on the, the right hand. And so I've been stopping myself and I've been learning um, stuff on the bass side more. And like one of my big aha moments is like that um, anything you learn on the melody side applies to the bass side. It doesn't always sound good. but How do you mean? Like to, to, like walk me through that. Yeah, sure. So like certain chord voicings and, and, and things like that, that you're... Um, you know, you, you constantly have to keep in mind on the bass side because of the, you know, you're dealing in the lower range. Like you don't want, to me, it's about like not keep making things muddy. You know, you want distinct. I use a lot of uh, voicings on the bass side that are like a lower bass note and then upper extensions. And I've got like this vocabulary of those that I really kind of just rely on. And so, like, expanding on that, because I, like, I, I mean, I love watching other stick players and what they're <laughs> doing. And some some of yeah. these guys, I mean, like, what they're doing on the bass side, just, like, I'm mesmerized. It's like, I feel like I've got, like, this language I, that works for these tunes, but I, I feel like I'm lacking in freedom on that side. And so when I see other people like just really nailing it all over the place on there, it's like, wow, like there is so much more possible. 
Well, I think that's a big part of the draw of the stick, uh, at least for me. It's one of the things that drew me to it is it's just fun to watch someone play it well. <laughs> yes. And I mean, yeah. that's that's why I I bet most of us probably gravitated the stick because we saw someone playing it and we liked what we were seeing maybe yes. as much as what we were hearing. And that's a neat thing about putting a David Tipton in the corner of a room, I think, is that it's a treat to the eyes to watch someone watch someone play it well. Well, and the the other thing, like I was thinking about this the other day, is like for for a lot of people, um, like where do you actually in your life where do you come across solo instrumental music? Uh, for most people, it's it may be church, it may be a funeral or a wedding, or um, a lot of times. Because I, yeah, I I do not sing. So this is all just solo instrumental music. And in most people's lives, you know, they might have like one or two tunes on their playlist that is a solo instrumental tune, but largely not. Uh, most people, when they're listening to music, are listening to bands or these really produced things. And to me, there's this quality of like just one person and an instrument that is like, I love that. It's like that. And I love to listen to other people doing that. It's so honest. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't see you slathering stuff in effects and stuff like that. I mean, it's just like, I'm playing a melody set to chords. Check this out. Yeah. Yeah. And what I find is like, people get emotional about that. People get like, because their, their association with solo instrumental music is usually not, it's not an everyday thing for them. It's so genuine though. It's so, it's like that, it's that melody delivered so like clearly and perfectly, you know, over, you know, whatever it is that, you know, their tapas or whatever it is that they're having there, you know, and like they, they didn't expect that either. They didn't expect to hear this song played so beautifully and played it the way you hear it. And so it's like this mm. variation on this emotion from their past and it is recalled in that instance. Yeah, and it's true, like, like I, d I don't use, like, a lot of effects. mentioned uh, just a little bit ago that you don't use a whole lot of effects uh, are you just playing totally clean or you know what do you what, what's your what's your setup look like when you go out to play uh you know the, the the gig you described your friday night gig what are you bringing yeah right so so i do use um typically on the melody side i've got like a little bit of um some reverb and uh and delay I've got. So my, my current setup, what I've been using is a um, Elite Acoustic Stomp Mix 4, 
which is like this little pedal board sized mixer, four channel mixer. It's great for the stick because uh, you can EQ each channel. You can have presets. Searching it right now. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and it's got built in effects. So it's like, that's all I need is I plug that into um, typically at like some of these, um, the wine bar and places like that. I've been using the Bose S1 Pro little speaker and so, okay, so there's and, no house sound it's you're right. bringing the sound okay no, right with the bose is that with the subwoofer and the, that tall speak no different no this is a small little battery powered um speaker so for for quite some time i had been playing like weddings out in these mountain meadows and places where there was no power and i was always looking for like a good battery powered amp and this is um out of the ones that I tried, like the best, uh, best sounding one that I've found. And it's small, it's lightweight. So that's another other very important thing to me is that like when I play a gig, like, yeah, like at the winery or something like that, it's all one trip. It's like, I've, I've got like a little collapsible dolly. I've got my speaker. I've got a little, uh, like case that I keep keep my mixer and, and cords and strings and all that stuff in and I bring a uh, I bring a, a seat uh, like a drum throne because I've I've always found that I forget when I used to always play standing up and and at some point I I, um, I, I got plantar fasciitis with my feet and it was just excruciating <laughs> to stand so I started to sit and I got this drum throne and because seats, I find if it's not the right height, um, when you're playing the stick, it's, it's like a pisser. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your <laughs> leg starts the whole to fall vibe. asleep. Like I can't right. get into it. Yeah. Right. Right. So to me, that was really important. So I usually bring, yeah, the, the speaker gig case, the seat and a, and a speaker stand. And I can carry all that all in one trip set up. And it, it, uh, it's, yeah, it takes me like seven minutes to set up. It's yeah. So the Elite Acoustic EAE Gig Mix 414 channel mini digital mixer is. Well, I'm using the Stomp the Mix Stomp 4. Mix 4. Oh, okay. Yes. So there's yeah, a yeah. different one. Okay. Stomp Mix 4. And it's got, um, so it's got in, inputs. Uh, you can go right into it with your, your stick. Mix 4. And oh, and it's got an A, it's got, a, it's got, it's a, wait, it's a mixer that goes on the pedal board. It's a pedal board. I mean, it's a pedal, rather. Yeah. That's fascinating. Okay. <laughs> it's this little hybrid kind of mixer pedal. Right, right. Okay. So my favorite setup has always been like having a mixer into a speaker because whenever you're playing a gig, um, you need to be able to tweak your sound. It's like, I don't care. Like for sure. I can play the same room week after week and it's different every <laughs> single week. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know why, like, if, <laughs> is it atmospheric conditions? Is it the amount of people in there? Right. Is it, why is that? I have no idea, yeah. but, um, I need to be able to just kind of tweak, you know, EQ and, and things like that on the fly so i keep this little mixer on a on a table like right next to me um usually and and have it accessible and i've got like i i think i did like maybe eight presets in there and i honestly i think i use at most three when i'm playing out 
And, and that's variations on, um, like I said, I usually have a little reverb on the melody side. Sometimes uh, one of the presets has some, some delay just a, a little bit. And then there's one that has a more enhanced delay that I use on certain tunes. Um, you know, like the Pink Floyd or the, uh, like Elton John or something like that, where it just seems to fit well. But every time I've tried to bring out a pedal board and use, um, I, I think I have a problem with, with effects is that I don't know when to stop. And sure. I get really frustrated whenever I bring a pedal board to a gig and it's like, it just never sounds it, it gets lost in the room. Um, and, and maybe it would help me if I used like a monitor or in-ears or something like that, but then that's more stuff to carry. <laughs> so yeah, more stuff. Yeah. Uh, less is so much better. It, yeah. It, it, it's more it, to manage it, as well. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, when you're, when you're a soloist, it's such a different expectation it's that this show will go on. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you will be in tune and hopefully you'll, you know, you'll get there and there'll be parking and hopefully you'll get there and, you know, you're in the shade and hopefully you'll get there and there's someplace to plug in. Like there's all these variables that you, that you don't know. And so I'm always so curious to hear about people's stories with, you know, when they finally do get to the gig, right. And they do get loaded in and now it's finally time to play music. Like, you know, like, what, what works. And so, right. Right. If you know, for me, it's like, if I get like a mixer and so I use the, these, uh, QSC K 12s, I'm very fond of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're unwieldy, you know, they're heavy. Right. So I don't know much how exactly they, how much they weigh, but I'm, I'm, you know, I've been looking at some options for just, you know, battery powered speakers. And I think that went up there on the stickest a couple of days ago. Um, but really I'm, I'm okay with like, I'm okay with hauling in, you know, that speaker because I know it's going to sound good. Now, right. something that I, I, I use a mixer as well. And one of the things that I've been entertaining is the, um, is actually using the, the kind of the, the headphones that I have right now, because I, I just like sometimes if I'm tuning or I just want to be able to check a sound or something like that, but then I also feel like it would remove me from the room. And, yeah. And so it would, and that would kind of um, make it. It would be. It wouldn't be more. It wouldn't be natural. Like it wouldn't right. be in the room. So no, I share that. I, I, um, and that's kind of what stops me from doing that is because you know people people want to interact with you and I and I feel like when people see you have like earbuds in or a headphone headphones on or something like that, they they see you as being like you're removing yourself from that's from true. That. Yeah. Unavailable. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I mean, there's constant curiosity about the instrument. And, and in my case, like I get a lot of, uh, like, because I play songs, people are constantly like either playing name that tune or, um, singing along or <laughs> stuff like that. And they, they like to interact with you. Yeah. Yeah. You invite, I invite them right up on stage. Like, just come on up here. We need, I could use one more, you know, like. <laughs> so I've had that experience too, um, where, yeah, people just kind of show up and they're like, can I sing a song with you? And you're like, yeah. okay. Yeah. And sometimes it's wonderful. And sometimes it's like, you can see the staff just like oh, <laughs> these horrified looks <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> no. <laughs> The hook. Where's the hook? Where's the right. hook? Da, 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 da. Right. 
<laughs> so. the drunk in-law at the wedding, you know? Yeah, there's always yeah. one, right? Yeah. There's always one. But that, I mean, that goes back to like, you know, that that's taught me a lot about like just kind of like interacting with people and dealing with people because you do have to have your boundaries as a musician and you do need to be able to like, I was hired to be here for this amount of time and do my thing. And I, you know, I take that part seriously. I mean, I, and so if somebody like shows up and starts encroaching on, on that, where they're, you know, either constantly disrupting you or constantly, you know, just kind of creating this vibe, um, it's kind of your responsibility to say, Hey, look, you know, it's like, I'm playing a gig. <laughs> like yeah. you, you need to, one of me... us is getting paid to do this and it's yeah. not you. <laughs> right. Right. So we, we had a, we had an instance, uh, this is another, Ma- I don't know why our podcast always come back to Matt Tate, but they come back to Matt Tate where Matt Tate, we we're, Claire, I don't know if you were at this NAMM show. Um, yeah, I, 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 yes. The guy that kept, should I even yeah. go there? Is it even worth it? The, 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 I mean, the, it's, it's well, I mean, as an example of like how to, I mean, people are going to deal with that. potentially. Oh, I, I have to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we were, sorry. So, there's no way. Up. There is <laughs> a, we, we would, for the longest time we, you know, I'd finagle, you know, I'd, I'd try to wrestle with Emmett to come, you know, get him to come down to the NAMM show uh, performances and we wouldn't, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny money at the NAMM show. And, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't for stick enterprises. Emmett made up his mind. He's like, I, what he really wants to do is play. He's like, I don't want to hang out with a bunch of music manufacturers and people talking to me. He's like, I want to play the Chapman stick, you know? And like, this is great for me because I'm around other people that enjoy playing and that enjoy music, but it's also a different kind of pitchy salesy kind of thing. But really he found that other people would come down to the booth and play. And he really wanted to play mm. and where I'm going with all of this is that I was like, well, let's find a restaurant close by and we'll, we'll just set up there, you know, we'll just set up and invite stick players down. And it was really great. And I think Jofflet was playing and Jofflet was, I think was, uh, he had a drummer and, and they were playing beautifully. And some guy get up, he got up there and just started to sing like, like just kind of riff off of them. And, um, and I kind of freaked out and I was like, I was like, I used colorful language and I got up on the microphone and I was like, I've been waiting to see Jofflet perform and I've been waiting to see this drummer in the middle of the song and the nerve, this guy just walks up and just, I don't know how he got a microphone. And, and I was like, don't do that again. It was like, you like, you know, and I, and I remember getting really bent and I was like, we've been waiting for this night for a long time and for you to just step up here and decide it's time for you to perform is like, like you don't know like the stick crowd, like we like, we don't get to do this a lot. And it was just, I just felt it was like so unfair. And so I was like, why would joffle it, man? Like I finally get to hear him play. And some guy gets up there and starts like, you know, getting all Janice Joplin on the mic and, 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 you know, like as though it was his show. And so I got bent. <laughs> That's how I remember it, Claire. I, maybe you remember. You it were angry. You were. You were angry. Uh-huh. There was anger. There was wow. Anger um, and well, and I will say the guy didn't back down, right? If I recall correctly, he kind of he kind of slinked off to the corner, right? I mean, he just like well, I, he was he was a little yeah, a little inebriated himself. And no, yeah, I've had yeah. had experiences like that. I, I remember playing a Sunday morning brunch. 
And this this young guy walks in. <laughs> you think you'd be safe at the Sunday yeah, morning you, you brunch, think, right? You would like, think. <laughs> and this this young guy walks in, and his eyes just get really wide, and he's like watching me play. And then he just turns around and walks out. And I'm like, wow, okay. I mean, he had like this really big reaction, and and then. I'm like just kind of off in my own little world doing so, and he and he walks in and he's got like a guitar and an amp, and he's like plugging oh, in no. and he's setting up in the middle of my song, and wow. I and I'm just like kind of like staring at at him out of the corner of my eye while I'm like trying to get through the song, and before I end, he's just like like shredding. He's got like the distortion on, just like. Whee! <laughs> and, and he's like I'm, sweet oh, they wanted man. musicians yeah exactly exactly and uh so i kind of kind of sunday morning brunch sunday morning like brunch kind of explained to him like and and fortunately it was at the tail end i was like well you know this this is like my normal gig i've got like one more song to do You've set up. Let's let's play something. Oh, David Tipton, and, you are the most gracious, generous person. <laughs> You're so much better than like. And so we just did like a little blues jam or something like that. And he just like, yeah, he was just like, no dive bombing, no, no. dive bombing. <laughs> but but there have been other so so, and this is what always fascinates me is because like the people who are like actual real performers, musicians who, who, who do this, they'll, I mean, they're the most reticent. They're the ones who like, will just like sheeply come up to you and say, oh man, we should get together and play sometime. And, you know, and I've made like lifelong friends from these people who come up and like, That's beautiful. and they're yeah. they're and I'm like, well, do you have an instrument? Do you have like, you know, and they're like, well, yeah, I do, but I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, this is your thing. And you're like, well, let's just try a couple things. And yeah. And it's like, okay. And, but you know, everybody's at their own point, you know, in, in becoming a musician, it's a cool way of thinking of it, Dave. Yeah, I mean, you're you're young, you're enthusiastic, and it's like I can remember going to shows when I was young, and thinking like, "What the hell is wrong with me?" All I can think about is like, <laughs> what I would be doing. <laughs> That's so um, natural, though, right? Right, right. But um, for me, anyway. You know, it's like I've I've really learned to like appreciate other musicians and watching them do what they they do. But when you're you're young, you're you're really kind of intent and focused on like like wow, I want to be able to do that. And so, um, you know, we're all at different places. And yeah. yeah, well, boundaries boundaries though. I think that's that that's what I'm kind of taking away from that is 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 is, uh, is it's your gig. Uh, I'm, I'm putting on a show and I remember saying those are my exact words like you know it, I'm, I'm putting on a show and and um, and th right like one of us is getting paid and it's not you and so I have to really I have to I have a duty um, to to do this yeah I mean, it's not it's not even about payment I've never understood that vibe of like I'm just gonna walk up and do something here like well, like, never, and like I said, I, I mean, never understood that. Yeah. Well, I mean, because people are enchanted by it, and they they you know they have their own energy that they they feel like they can contribute or they want to do something, and and I get that. But do you, do you think they just don't realize that you're like hired to be there? Right. Like, there there is a level of social awareness of you know it's like I just happened to yeah. wander in before this guy did, right? Right. I mean, it's it's like you know if you're if you're walking by and you're seeing people you know play basketball 
basketball or something like that. And you're like, I can do this better than you. Let me show you. Um, you know, but honestly, like even in those cases, like maybe you'd wait till they take a break or you'd ask like, yeah. Hey, can I jump in? Like, I mean, I, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's mind boggling to me that, that people do that. Like, I just, I just yeah. And there's an audience here. There's like, everyone's watching. Yeah, well, pe- people are interesting. That that is one thing I <laughs> I have definitely learned. Like, that's a good word. In- yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, play. Oh, I, I'm just gonna say, like, every time I I play a gig, I mean, so so this is the other thing is like, like especially with what I do, where I'm I'm playing like more background music. I'm in restaurants and stuff like that. I'm like the fly on the wall. I mean, I've seen. I've seen couples get engaged. I've seen divorces happen. I've seen like people discuss their cosmetic surgeries. I've seen like you like you overhear these conversations. <laughs> the breakup, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The, and it's the like no uh, second date, you know, like right, right. This isn't it's, going well. It's yeah. this, the human drama. It's like the whole human story unfolding sure. before you while you're <laughs> you're just kind of sitting there doing your thing, you know, playing your music. And, I just work here, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and it's really fascinating so so we're talking about you know these kinds of interactions with people that maybe ought to know better or know how to go about it have you ever had experiences with people that maybe wouldn't because they're really young like little kids you know you ever have any interaction with little kids that maybe comes up on the stage and starts playing air guitar next to you or something like that yes yeah actually quite a, quite a few for the most part little kids are amazing they're they're like um i mean they'll just get like like mesmerized like by seeing someone play an instrument but sometimes like there was one instance a number of years ago I was playing in a restaurant and this family who I mean the parents were sitting there having their dinner and the kids were just unruly running around like throwing menus on the floor <laughs> and oh, no. doing stuff like this and this little kid comes up oh, no. and he he like he was standing in front of me wide-eyed and he just slaps my strings which uh. If you know, yeah, like when you're plugged in, it's like, it's just like this huge, like, boom, you know, and, um, and the, like the waitresses were just like, oh, oh no. And, and they're like, you know, telling the parents, like, like you've got to like rein your kids in here. And so they do for like five minutes and then the kids are back (laughs) at it again. And this kid just like Uh, thought that slapping my strings was like the funniest thing in the world. So I'm playing again and he comes up, bam, like just out, like, you know, like just runs by me and bam. And it's like (laughs) drive drive by, by. (laughs) drive by. Yeah. But I, I have to say that's really about the only unpleasant situation I've ever had with a kid for the most part. It's it's so cool to see like kids' reactions to you, like somebody playing music. They're just like, yeah. It's hard to find a, it, but you do have to find that kind of graceful transition where you're like encouraging the you know the curiosity. Don't touch the strings. You know, yes. like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Pick up that menu. You know, you're gonna get dessert. Like, but you gotta go pick up that menu and don't touch my. Yeah, strings. yeah. But again, like, what parent lets their kid just boundaries. run up to some musician and hit their instrument? Stick like, boundaries yeah. again. What Pe- people are interested? <laughs> I know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, one of the times I played it, I had a. I haven't played out very much at all, but and this was at a stick camp. We went out to a local uh, a local Saturday market and played, and. 
this was a kid that we had actually seen before because he had been at the he had been at the place where we were staying and I was out there playing and you know I'm not very good and so I'm I'm shaking and I'm already nervous enough and this kid must have been 4 years old and he really liked music he would tell us about his guitar and how he was going to get a stratocaster and stuff like that well he shows up at the Saturday market and I didn't see him and I'm playing and I look down and there he is. He's standing right next to me. He's air guitaring and rocking out to what I'm playing. Nice. And it was, it was, it was kind of, it was cool, but it also, it was unexpected and it was startling and stuff. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You ever got anything like that where, where, where kids, you know, want to oh, yeah. come and dance next to you? Or, oh yeah. Or, they, they dance and they, yeah. And sometimes like, yeah, I used to play the farmer's market here quite often. And sometimes like, like parents would just drop their kids off and the kids would just like sit there and like, like, you know, kind of bob around and, and, and listen. And, and, you know, and sometimes they would come up if they, if they would ask nicely, like, you know, can I touch the strings or can I, and, you know, I'd kind of show them like, you need to like, like, this is how you do it. And, um, like, don't slap it, please don't. But, you know, just just like pretend like you're pressing a button or something and touch the string. And they would get like super excited to just like hear a note ring out. And yeah. Yeah. I'll get them that's, started and that's young. a real skill. That's a real skill as a performer because you can, you can take in that moment and embrace it and then control it. Like, so like, here's the boundary kit, like you get to touch a string and then we have this delightful little emotional connection and then you go off and eat your, you know, the candied nuts or whatever it is that you get out there at the farmer's market, you know, and then like, I go back to playing my music. And that's, yeah, but then yeah. some kid, some kid had a good interaction with a musician and, and who knows where that might lead. So we've heard a lot about like what you're doing these days. I'm curious what uh, where where were your beginnings in music in general and how how you got into the stick? Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, like like a, a lot of people I started off in, in it was middle school playing I was a trumpet player. Played in in marching band and stuff like that in high school, but mm. yeah, around 13 I got uh, started playing guitar electric guitar my dad dad was always noodling around on on guitars so he had one lying around and and before i knew it yeah i was yeah playing in bands in uh cleveland ohio punk bands that's that was my start (laughs) and heavy metal heavy metal and punk that was like the big thing i did not see that coming i'm not gonna lie like i was like yeah heavy metal and punk and I did that, I, and then I started playing, um, I really got into like fingerstyle acoustic guitar, and, and I was... Okay, that, that's a drastic turnaround. How, how did that happen? Uh, <laughs> it's like, how? Well, how did that happen? How did you get from A to B 
Well, I think, you know, I think again, that's, it's like, like music is an, an extension of, of your, um, of your personality, of your, your essence, of who, who you are. It's like, and I think as you, as you go through life, you like different musics appeal to you. And, sure. and when I was young, I was kind of hyped up and angry and, and, you know, it's like, like stuff like that really appealed to me and kind of really out there avant-garde music. I was really into, yeah. Um, you know, I played all kinds of stuff that would alienate people. That was, and then I reached a point, I think when in my mid twenties, uh, or so where I, yeah, I was going through changes in life and yeah, I found like I fell in love with folk music and songs and music from the turn of the century and, and Tin Pan Alley and all that stuff and and really um, fi- finding music to be more relatable and 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 the folk music is what kind of got me into playing fingerstyle acoustic. You know, where, where were you at this point? Were you were you out in Ohio? Or? Yes, yeah. So I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio. Gotcha. Shores of Lake Erie there, and not far Kent State Folk Festival every year. He used to go go to that, and there was all kinds of great musicians in the area. So yeah, I was I was playing acoustic, and then in band. So I tend to play bass, and so I was playing like in a um, I played in yeah like a funk band, Motown band, uh, all occasion wedding band, that kind of thing. Disco, we did it all. And to me, like playing bass in a band was a lot more fun than playing guitar in a band. I tend to, I think it was like more work uh, playing guitar. And so where does this bring the stick into place? Well, obviously, like if you're playing bass and guitar and and you see an instrument that has both yeah. of those things, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, exactly. tell me more. <laughs> yeah. And um, which is funny because, yeah, my first six stick sighting was, yeah, Tony Levin, uh, King Crimson, you know, I, I was I was still in high school. Um, and, yeah, I remember seeing that Friday's episode, uh, Elephant Talk. Wow. And at the time, I really took away, I thought it was just like just a two-handed bass is, is really what I kind of took from that. And that was my perception of the stick. I, I knew about it, but I didn't really know about it because that was my perception of it for years until, um, yeah, I'm going to say later 90s where I ran across uh, Greg Howard's uh, CD, Stick Figures, and uh, Larry Tuttle when he he released uh, through the gates i think it was so good yeah yeah so good and those those just like oh my god like i had no idea yeah. i had no idea that's allowed you, like we we can you, do that like, right <laughs> right and i did you uh, hear freeway philharmonica or freeway freeway philharmonica i have heard some of their stuff yeah, yeah yeah but like like coming to this place of just like hearing what was possible as a solo instrumentalist on this instrument, it was like, oh, this really is like the best of both worlds. You've got chords, melodies, bass lines, like all this stuff going on. And also at the time, I was I was fortunate enough I would 
I had a friend who, who uh, my friend Matt Trom, he's Patchman Music. He's He does uh, programming for EVIs, electronic horns and wind synthesizers and all this. And um, he's an incredibly talented uh, musician in his own right. And we've played in duos and stuff over the years. That's cool. And yeah, EVI and stick, that turns some you heads. Know, there's, yeah, there's some history there. Yeah, because actually, so I got to, um, he was filming a kind of a documentary about like the, the people who invented these instruments. Niall Steiner, one of the, the guy who invented the EVI, him and Emmett used to jam. I um, saw him. Did you really? I saw him two times and it blew my mind. He had a suitcase. Yes. Niall Steiner opened up a suitcase and he had all this like wizardry going on. Yes. And then he and Emmett were these, just these spell casters going back and forth. And yes. And, yeah. and Chad Wackerman was playing drums. Oh and it my was, gosh. It was in a cafe, no bigger than your living room. And it was just, it was, it was so loud, but it was very, so good. Very, very cool. Yeah. Matt and I spent like a few days with him at, at his place in Provo, Utah and filmed him and did interviews wow. and stuff like that, which was actually, I had to leave a stick seminar in Ann Arbor early to go do that, which I I was kind of bummed about, but it was the only way it worked. Um, And Emmett was there too. Um, So yeah, but getting back to the original point was I I got to go to NAMM shows. And I I think it was like back in 2000, I I went to this NAMM show and I had, I had already placed an order for this, for the stick at that point. But I got to go to stick night and see, yeah, it was like Greg and Bob and Steve and Tom. And like, it was just like amazing. And, um, it, it took a lot for me, like, not to want to, like, just run up on stage and, like, be like, let me try this. Let me, like, be one of those people, you know. I've I, crossed over. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and and Emmett played, too. And and just, like, getting to see Emmett play is, like, nothing. I mean, he doesn't he, – he, there's no one else who plays like him. That's right. Um, I mean, he really had his own thing. And Stream of consciousness. It's yeah. like what I'm feeling in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've, I'm so grateful I got to do that. And, and I got to go to a couple of, a few NAM shows and I think they were there one more year and then they, yeah, they stopped doing them. But, um, that's kind of how I got into, yeah, at the, at the time. So the, the story is, playing acoustic finger style guitar, I was having like wrist problems and stuff like that. And I was like, this is like, you know, 1999 or something like that. And I'm like, oh man, this is, this is really bogus because I love playing, but I'm in pain. And uh, what can I do about this? And, you know, that's when the stick kind of entered into my, like, I don't know if it was like the subconscious thing, but it started like just showing up. Um, you know, I ran across recordings and seen people play it and had dreams about it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just kind of went out on a limb and and ordered a stick. Wow. So I've got to interrupt. Did you, had you seen an instrument or had you held an instrument in person when you placed your order? No. I had not. Um, I did um, like a, a couple months. I went to a, that NAM show, and so this was. Nine, um, went to the NAM show in two thousand. 
uh, January of 2000, and I did get to noodle around on one then. Uh, I think I had placed the order several months before that. And it, yeah, it took about nine months or so for me to get my instrument. And I got it, and I just remember like figuring out how to play like a G chord on either side. Do you like, hey, the melody side's broken? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you got to use the special cable. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there there is like this learning curve. And and fortunately, the, the thing that happened for me was um, there was a stick seminar going on in uh, September of that year in Ann Arbor with Bob Culbertson. So I signed up for that. And then 9-11 happened. And this was like shortly, you know, it was scheduled right after that. And it was like, oh, this, we weren't sure it was going to happen. But apparently Bob had traveled out early and he was, he was out in Michigan. So he's like, yeah, we're doing it. So, and I think that was really a, a crucial thing for me because I was still, you know, I think you get this instrument. I was a guitarist. I was a bassist, but I was still trying to approach the stick from a guitar perspective. And and going to that seminar with Bob really taught me that, like, you know, it's like, no, this is its own thing. It's like you really have to, you know, like, there's things about guitar you have to unlearn. There's things about the stick you need to learn. There's and the rudiments of the tuning and stuff like that. And I think that really made a huge, huge difference for me. Just like giving me this like real rudimentary vocabulary on this instrument that I was trying to approach from a different perspective. It like shifted that. And plus just the uh like being around other stick players and stuff like yeah. that was like, and and the story about that was like I met this guy, who um, Dennis Keller. He um, he lived like five minutes away from where I lived in Ohio, and he he was also a beginning stick player, and so we started to get together and we would play like on weekends and and try to figure stuff out, and mm-hmm. and unfortunately he I showed up one one Saturday or something like that. And his neighbor came out and said, are you here to see Dennis? I'm like, yeah. It's like, oh, and he had just passed away suddenly. And, and it was, yeah, it was sad thing, but. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. So unexpected. Yeah. But just getting to meet other stick players and stuff like that gives you like this, yeah, you know, stickist.com and like, you know, all this. It's like, what other instrument do you have that kind of camaraderie with uh, other players? It's like, it's that's really, true. Yeah. 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 And that's like, you know, we're all about pushing, you know, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that, you know, we're always pushing, hey, get together with other stickists, go to a seminar if it has to, and, and it's going to be money well spent. And uh, it's going to, you know, especially Absolutely. if you're a beginner, granted, all skill levels are beneficial to have there. But yeah, when people say, oh, I'm just a beginner, I shouldn't go to a seminar. No, you should you're go exactly, to a seminar because you're a beginner. Yeah. It's so funny because I'm practicing for the seminar. Yeah, I always say, don't practice for the seminar. And I'm like, oh man, I got to practice. You know? <laughs> Yeah, 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 practicing for the seminar. But yeah. I, David, we, yeah, we're, we're big advocates of that. And, and 
the, you know, the, I think the analogy that we used or the comparison that we used, if you put a thousand stick players in a room, it would be a whole, it would probably be like a, like a super fun party. But if you put like a thousand guitarists in a room, it would be like, you know, 990 people all looking off in different directions and kind of mm. doing their own thing. Whereas stick is like, what, you know, what kind of tuning do you use? And what, what is that pedal? And you, you only use one cable. And then, you know, there, there's so much more um, like curiosity and camaraderie. And yeah. generally speaking, I mean, there's always somebody that's throwing sand in somebody's eyes, but you know, generally the play box or the, the, the sandbox, the, the stick sandbox is generally like a safe place to, to play. Yeah. We share our little plastic shovels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice to be in a room with a bunch of people that know this is not a sitar. You know, you don't have to explain <laughs> the instrument to anybody else in the room. And that's, you know, you're, that's just You're freeing, right. That, you know? that is like, that is a huge appeal, actually. Um, and, but like, like, I feel like at those seminars and stuff like that, you learn like the intangible things about the instrument, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because... I mean, there's a lot of talk usually about like setup and adjusting the truss rod and like, and you can try other people's instruments and feel like that's big. like what different gauges of strings feel mm -hmm. like, what different tunings are like, and all these things that like, like I see on the stick forums and stuff like that. The, like, there's a lot of intangible things about the instrument that you can address at a at a at a seminar by doing that, and it's not no longer theoretical. It's like if you're sitting there thinking like, oh, well, this if I had this other tuning, I I would be able to do this. Well, you you don't really know. And, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I see. That, like, maybe I'll change my tuning, and then it'll make me practice. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it works like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. But also, like, like I said, I mean, I just, I love hearing what other people are doing. And I, you know, YouTube is great for that. It's like some of these, um, I, I can't think of his name. There's a guy from, uh, I think, Japan who plays like Uncrossed. I mean, and like Andy Silvanos in, in Australia. It's like, uh, I mean, there's so many guys like I'm just mesmerized, like when I listen to them and yeah. it inspires me to like try different things on my instrument. And that's what I really love is like everybody's doing their own thing. You know, it's like, um, did you see that video that uh, Dean, what? Uh, oh, yeah. Dean Pascarell, yeah. Yeah, he, he did a cover of A League of Gentlemen, Robert yeah. Fripp in The League of Gentlemen. Yeah. It was like, oh my, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Dean's off the hook, yeah. yeah. And he, he, he plays like, he can pretty much play anything. You could yeah. give him like a shoe and he'd like make a beautiful song with this shoe, you know. Yeah. Like, nothing he can't do. And yeah. that just, I mean, and that stuff like inspires me to like, like want to practice more and try different things and... Yeah. yeah, and and the stick really is a blank slate. It's like what you want it to be. And that's to me, that's the craft of it. Is like, you know, it's like, yeah, I kind of like like I said, my specialty is songs. I like playing songs. And I like like making arrangements that people like know, like can recognize. And and that's like I would have to say, like when it comes to besides people asking questions about the stick. The, the two things that they, they tell me is that, one, they appreciate that 
the volume that I'm not like drowning people out. I'm not like commandeering the, the room. Like they, they say, it's like just incredibly pleasant. We can sit here and listen to you. And, and after a long day of working and just relax and chill out, there's really nice vibes. And the other thing is like, wow, I really enjoy that you play, like you've got like this great repertoire. You're playing songs that we recognize and it's like, we really enjoy that. And yeah. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Something that I noticed in your playing, like when you're playing gigs or when you're doing videos and I've seen uh, a number of them is, is, and I'm kind of, I'm moving on to kind of like the next question, but of all the stick players that I've seen, David, I, I think that you're one of them that has the best posture. And so something that I've observed in your playing is that you've always got your back straight, that left elbow is up, and that everything is right where it belongs, and you're staring straight ahead, and you're reading the room, and you're fully and entirely engaged in the instrument without having to look where you're playing, seldomly look where you're playing. Hmm. <laughs> So that, that is, are you just um, bored? I mean, what's going on here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so Do you have some the, place to be. I mean, like, <laughs> so early on when I, I started playing, I actually, I ran into, um, quite a problem because my head was just hanging. Like my neck was just hanging, looking at the fretboard and I got a pinched nerve in my, and incredibly painful. And it took me a while to realize that was the cause of it. Um, it was like, just, you know, your head weighs, I don't know what your head weighs, uh, but enough, <laughs> enough that like, if you just kind of let it hang there, it. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. And, <laughs> and so, um, a big part of that is like, I realized like, oh, like the same thing, like when I had problems with my wrist on guitar, it's like, you know, you got to pay attention to this. It's, it's, um, it matters because, um, you know, if you're out playing a, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, normal gigs are around two hours, but sometimes I play like, yeah, like farmer's markets and, and, and these things that go for hours and hours, um, like posture matters. It yeah. really does. And so, I tried to be conscious of that to try to work on that. And the whole, so I remember practicing just trying not to look at the instrument because that's what was killing me was like letting my head hang down, stare at the neck. And so like, I was like, okay, how can I do this without watching my hands all the time? And um, to me, the trick came in that, you know what your hands on the instrument look like. Um, if you close your eyes and visualize that, it's as good as looking at it. And it's a big first step though. It's a big first step for a lot yes. of stick players because I mean, watch Tony Levin, you know I mean? He's like, he is glued to his instrument. He's looking right down at it. Like you're saying. Yes. Yeah. But, but yeah. what you're saying is so powerful to me because it means, it means like, just like, unlock like just like don't don't look at what you're playing just feel it and it's so valuable yeah well and it's also this thing about um you know playing playing an instrument playing um playing songs you you need to get out of your head you like you do, you don't want to be thinking and what i find is like when i'm looking i'm thinking mm. and interesting and, and to me 
Um, like I want to get into the state where I'm playing where, you know, it's, it is about being present. It is about, you know, it's like music is one of the few art forms besides, I think, like poetry and dance that it only exists in the present moment. You can have representations of it, but music is in the present moment. And if you want to play music, you need to be there with it. And so, like, the brain, like, the thinking, to me, um, it's more about, like, it's guiding me. It's like saying, okay, we're coming up to the bridge. Or, okay, like, it's more about the structure. It's not thinking about, um, you know, you you need to practice enough where you you know these songs and you and then your brain can relax and Mm -hmm. and you can like start to concentrate on things about like posture and like just being in the room and letting it guide you through like and and what's funny is like yeah so a lot of times like i said i don't use a set list and i will be playing a song and then all of a sudden i'm getting towards the end of the song and like another song will pop into my head and like, okay, that's next. And it's almost uncanny sometimes. Like people, people say, I was just going to ask you to play that. And and it's like this, it's this weird thing. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to get all woohoo about it or anything like that. But I feel like sometimes you pick up on that, like, you know, it's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. So... It feels right. Also, I think, you know, I mean, I'm just visualizing you being in the room playing. Um, If everybody that glances in the corner and sees you sees the top of your head constantly, you know, that Uh might also not be the best thing for, you know, for the ambiance or for you doing your job. You know, if if all they ever see is the top of your head because you've got your neck bent down looking at the strings. When you're a beginning stickist, it's easy to want to do that because you want to look at those strings and and yeah. and whether you're looking at them constantly or not, whatever. Yeah. So that was that was one of the things that I've tried to do is you know when I do want to look at the strings, I try to look down through my eyes instead of move my whole head. But but I think mm-hmm. that yeah, not seeing the top of your head, you know, being able to see your face while you're playing mm-hmm. is going to be a whole lot better. That's gonna that that's gonna impact the room much more because you're present, like you say. And, uh, and it's, I think it's going to endear you more to the crowd as well, I think, because it's a visual thing. Yeah. I mean, and being able to smile at people and acknowledge like people walking in the room and stuff like that while you're playing is actually huge. It's, yeah. it's like, it makes a difference. It makes a difference in the tip jar too. Well, that's being a pro, right? That's like, I mean, like you you do it all the time. Like, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to say it that way, but that's kind of what I meant. If they're seeing the top of your head, they're probably going to be a little less generous. Or but like, I, but I will I will tell you that. Um, so a lot of that comes from like watching old videos of me and stuff like that. I see like where, I mean, I have this tendency to like kind of scowl, to like, like you know, <laughs> frow my burrow and like be focused and concentrate. And it's like- that. Yeah, 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 that's that's tough. That's 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 so tough to do. People tell me I look really pissed off, and I'm really just focused. <laughs> right, exactly. And it's like, and, and I I remember playing gigs and like like people commenting about that, and it's like, oh, and that's where I say like playing gigs like puts you in the, in your place. It really and developing as a person. It's like, oh wow, I am like like totally like 
kind of shutting off the room and I'm like totally focused on on this thing. How do I find a way to like play and relax and be in the room and be with other people? And it's it's like and to me that's what um that's one of the most rewarding things is like like for playing a gig like the the to me the level of reward isn't always like the pay or how much money is in the tip jar or the praise or the comments and stuff like that it's like walking away knowing like wow i played i played well i played really well to my own standards you know i've i felt relaxed and i felt like in the room to me that's what really matters yeah at the end of the gig you can you can at the end of the day rather you know you feel like i i earned this money or i like i played that song i wanted to play and, and it was rewarding it was fulfilling not because of some other outside force it was because you had created this challenge for yourself and you had met it yeah, yeah. And you've also contributed to the room. Yeah. Well, right. And sometimes the most rewarding things too are like a yeah, that that interaction, that feedback with with people like people start requesting tunes or they, you know, you see people get up and dance while you're playing or or things like that is that's all very rewarding in its own way as well. For sure. Yeah. Hey, listen David, we're coming up on time. Yes. Um, and I, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to have him back, right? I mean, Vic, Claire, I don't know if there's any way to, to get enough time with David, but I, I, I will say that you, you did surprise us and, and, and looking at the instrument as a way of looking at oneself and finding out what you need to work on. Um, it, it does open up a whole new level of philosophy for playing for me. And so I was kind of hoping just for this. And so yeah, we kind of got a philosophical episode. In, it's so in, much in better with here. David Tipton. You know, you should, you know, Dave, you should join us. If ever you're up for it, we, we'd love to have you back. Maybe because you've got all the great questions and stuff like that. If would you ever, <laughs> would you have time in your life for professional podcasting? You know? We're <laughs> all could, union, by the way, you too. We're so, all union. You know, the money's great. <laughs> well, now you're talking. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I'll tell you that's, it's, yeah, I tell you, man, this is the most monetized podcast <laughs> that you will ever find. We have Not. like five listeners. It's fantastic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> sponsors are just banging oh, on the door. That's yes. right. All the stick sponsors. Hey, David, so if I want to get some of your music uh, to listen to and check you out or whether it's, uh, you know, how do I find you to, if I want to see you play or if I want to get some of your music, both live or, or virtually, where do I go? How do I do that? Yes. Well, um, I do have music on Bandcamp. You can find me there. I'm a, I have stuff on Spotify as well. I don't. I don't have a Spotify account of my own, but I'm. I'm told my music is on there. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, you know, uh, when the pandemic and all that stuff happened, I kind of let my my website and my calendar go and all that. I'm kind of in a restructuring mode right now concerning that. But um, if you're ever in Chafee County, Colorado, <laughs> and uh, towns of like yeah, Slida. Buena Vista, um, there, there's all kinds of local music calendars and stuff like that that you can find where, yeah, you'll see where I'm playing at. But yeah, um, and then I've got my YouTube channel where um, I've 
been really negligent. I, I, I posted a video a, a couple weeks ago, I think, and I want to get back into uh, posting stuff on there. So it's just a matter of finding the time. Sure. I really like your work on YouTube. So oh. you, you've got great videos, and, and, I, and I hope that, that you'll consider that. Maybe mm-hmm. even like a weekly thing. It would be so fantastic to see you know, the songs that you're playing or the songs that you're learning of, of great value to the community. Yeah. So uh, just search YouTube or Bandcamp for David Tipton, and that's it's as simple as that. Or you have a funny name like that that some people use. No, that's it's basically under my name. Yeah. Okay. All um, right. That's David Tipton. T I P T O N. Yes. All right. Um, well, David, listen. On, on behalf of all of us, thank you so much for making time for us. It's always oh, a pleasure absolutely. to get to know you and uh, and to hear your perspectives on the instrument and in music and getting to know oneself through their music. Beautiful, beautiful. Ah, Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. And for all of you out there that are listening to this podcast, thanks for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. And we hope that sometime in the next 24 hours, you get a chance to pick up your instrument and play for a while. Goodbye. Bye. Bye now. Bye-bye. We don't care about your comments, but if you want to leave them anyways, you can contact us at tapintimepodcast at gmail.com. 